Um, thank you so much for leading us through communion just now, Daniel. I, um, you literally couldn't have said anything that made me more resolved to have you do communion when you said, I'm probably going to tear up. It's like, yes. <laughs> this will be a beautiful moment for our church and important for us. And so thank you so much, genuinely. I very much appreciated um, you leading us into that moment. Um, look, we are in the book of Proverbs at the moment, visiting with us. Uh, we're in a series in the book of Proverbs. And so far, we've been talking a whole lot about wisdom. Uh, what wisdom is, what it produces in our lives, how we get it, uh, how the book of Proverbs is going to lead us into wisdom, all of these kind of things. And one thing we've done is we've defined wisdom as really being the art of skillful living, just being really good at life, being able to make good decisions in difficult moments. It comes from the, uh, the word wisdom comes from the Hebrew word hokmah, uh, which is the same word used of artists describing the way they produce great works of art with skill and creativity. And, and um, so it's not just a knowledge of facts, although obviously you need facts to be able to make good decisions, but it's deeper than that. Um, it's the ability to discern not just right from wrong, but good from bet to better from best. Good, better, best. Being able to discern past those things out. It takes wisdom. And so today we're in, in Proverbs 2. If you have a Bible, you can go to Proverbs 2. That's where we'll be. Um, and really, I have one big idea today. Quite simply, it is two words. The big idea. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Go get it. Right now. You need it. It's out there. Go get it. End of sermon, right? That's basically what's going to happen today. Um, move heaven and earth to go get wisdom. That's, that's the big idea today. Um, just recently, my, my big brother, Mark, uh, he got back from Emerald. He went to, uh, uh, did a little um, visit out to Emerald, and he bought back a bag of dirt. Now, I don't know if this is some kind of racket that these people are running, but he paid $25 for this bag of dirt. Uh, apparently, it was from the gem fields, near the gem fields, and they literally sell bags of dirt. Um, and the idea is that you can rinse it out and go looking for the gems in the dirt. And we did that. So my girls, uh, Lucy and Violet, uh, and his kids as well, we got the hose out, got sieves out, we um, you know, went looking for little gems. And it's true, you can find little, I assume emeralds? Definitely sapphires, hey. There are lots of blue ones, both emeralds and sapphires. I assume this is where they got the name of the town from. Can't be coincidence, right? Um, I don't know much. I'm getting all this secondhand, by the way, so I might be throwing out all kinds of lies. Go fact check this. But this is what I'm being told, right? This sapphires. Sapphires? Yeah, they're definitely blue. Um, and they're tiny, and so like they're not worth anything, but they're pretty awesome. So like you, you, you have to do this in the sunlight where the sun can shine on it, and you can spot these little glints of, uh, of shining rock in, in amongst all the, all the stuff. And so um, we were doing that, and we came up with like a little jar worth of sapphires, correct? Yes, <laughs> sapphires, um, which we have sitting at home now. A bunch of little sapphires we found in the dirt, which is pretty cool. Really, what we're doing today is a big version of that, right? We are going searching for treasure. <laughs> And it's really the, the invitation of Proverbs 2 is to take that call and that invitation of going search for, searching for treasure really seriously because of what it will reap in our lives. Today we're invited to go after some precious treasures together. What is that treasure? Well, really what that treasure is at the, at the deepest level is an, is an invitation into life with Jesus. Life lived with Jesus he wants to take you by the hand and lead you into a beautiful life that is marked by wisdom. 
And so we're going to be in, in chapter 2. Uh, so we're going to dive in. I've got two basic points that come. The, the text kind of falls apart into two parts. Uh, firstly, wisdom is precious. The sapphires were not that big, by the way. I think that is the world's biggest sapphire, um, and that is not what we found. Um, wisdom is precious, verses 1 to, one to 4, and uh, wisdom is given, five to, end up being 5 to 8 in the end. Um, Get wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is precious and wisdom is, is given. So firstly, wisdom is precious. Chapter 2 is actually an acrostic poem. The Hebrews love acrostic poems. Uh, and you can't obviously see it in English because it's written in Hebrew, right? But the first, line of each, the first letter of each line uh, from 1 to 11 all starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. And then the next 10 verses all start with the second letter of the alphabet, Lamed. So... Uh, you can't see that in English, but that's there. And so today we're taking the, uh, the, the first part of, of that chapter, 1 to 11. And so this is what we find when we go opening up that poem. It says this, My son, if you treasure up my words, if you, re- if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, can I just stop firstly, my son. This is a great Father's Day passage, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't plan that. Um, wisdom here is framed as a father teaching a son about how life works. And so... Dads, there you go. Pass on your wisdom to your kids. It's in the Bible. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your hearts to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. We'll just stop there for now. The, the, the keyword there, then, pops up then. So the first thing we notice in these first couple of verses is the obvious construction that's going on here. If, 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 then. Just around the corner. So it's building up to, to a big then that's coming uh, to us. So we've got this kind of if-then construction. If you receive my word and treasure it, if you call out and raise your voice, if you seek it like silver and search for it like treasure, then some great big blessings coming your way. Now some of us, I think when we see this kind of if conditional language in the Bible, we get a little bit nervous um, because it's been so drilled into us to be on the outlook for anything that kind of smacks of legalism. Um, And let's be honest, this kind of if-then language can sound a little bit legalistic. If you do this, then this will happen. This good thing will happen. Um, for those unfamiliar with the, the term legalism, um, it's the teaching that you can earn God's forgiveness and grace by your good works. You be good enough, God will give you the goodies. Um, and legalism says, really, if, if you do the right thing, God owes you. That's, that's basically what it's saying. Or on the flip side, if you, do the, if you don't do the good thing, you'll never receive God's grace. And some of you, I, I wonder if you might relate to one of those two things. Some of you might think like the first one, right? I've done my part. I upheld my end of the bargain. I was good. I followed the rules. God, you owe me. And then when God doesn't do, give you what you want, you reject him and you throw a tantrum about that. That's not biblical Christianity remotely, right? We don't bargain with God. We don't come to him with a list of this is what we've earned from you. Lord. And the flip side of, of legalism is the opposite. It's when you know that you haven't done the right thing, right? Um, 
Legalism can also say that you must perform to get God's grace. You must do the tricks so that God loves you. You must perform for him. Show him that you're serious. And um, that might be more of a thing for some of you as well. You might, you might think, I can't actually come to God until I've actually got my affairs in order. You sort myself out first. Got to have a good week of following him and doing the right thing, coming to church, small group, praying every day, reading my Bible, and then maybe I'll be able to interact with my heavenly father. You know, you've got to clean ourselves up a bit first. But doesn't that just make a mockery of what the gospel is? Both of those things? Christ died for you at your very worst. His blood covers your worst day. But guys, Christ died for you on your best day when you are killing it. And you think you've got this thing down. Like, no, no. He still needed to die for that day. He really did. You've never earned anything from God. Everything we have comes from grace and grace alone. So, is this legalism that we're reading? I do not think so remotely. That's not, that's not what's going on here. There is nothing in this passage about earning God's grace. That's what legalism is, about earning. This is about you doing your part in receiving God's grace. You actually must respond to him. You must receive it. You, you don't do anything to earn it, but you have a role in actually taking it up, living it out. And so let's look carefully at what we see. These conditions for receiving the wisdom of God come... Um, ah, let's look at these conditions. And, and just notice how the language kind of ramps up. It escalates. It just keeps getting more and more intense. It starts with this. If you receive... It's a very kind of passive thing. I have to receive something. If you treasure up, my words. If you make your ear attentive, that's listening carefully, being ready to hear, inclining your heart, calling out, raising your voice, seek, search. So it's kind of getting more and more, more intense, right? In chapter one, we were told that wisdom is calling for us. She's out in the market square. She's calling us, come get wisdom. And here we're told, you've got to call out for wisdom. You've got to do your part as well, right? We've got to raise our voice to her as well. And so the bottom line of this passage is, go get wisdom. Seek her and search for her. Go after her. This is the, the great treasure hunt that we're called to as Christians. Called to go get wisdom. There's a parallel in Proverbs 4, actually, that kind of lines up with Proverbs 2. Um, Proverbs 4, 4 says this, and I think this is so great. I really enjoy these verses. It says this, get Wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you do, whatever you get, get insight. I just love the energy of these verses. It's like, okay, how do we get wise? Just get it. Just go get wisdom. But like, what do I do? Get it. Go, go get it. It's out there. You need it. Go get it. Move heaven and earth. Just go. Go get wisdom. You need to get wisdom. And whatever you do, get insight as well. Make sure you get both of those two things together. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do that then, right? Let's go get wisdom. Why? Um, Proverbs 3 as well. Another, another um, parallel to this passage. Wisdom must be sought for as if it's a hidden treasure. Proverbs 3.13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit is better than gold. 
She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. It's better than silver, it's better than gold, it's more pressure than gems, and not just those little tiny sapphires that we kind of pulled out of the dirt, but the big ones, right? The $10 million sapphire that we showed on the screen before. Wisdom is better than these things, according to the Bible. Now, I don't know you, but I'm going to take a punt and go, I don't think you believe that, really? <laughs> that wisdom is, is better than riches? So let me just ask you a question, and again, try and be honest with your own heart in how you answer this for yourself. Don't, don't say it out loud, obviously. Um, <laughs> but if the resurrected Jesus came to you and said, I will give you anything you ask for right now, what do you want? What would you ask for? If you he, if, if he just had like the blank check moment, and Jesus said, Ask. My gut feeling is that our, our first instinct would probably be for money of some sort, right? Some kind of wealth and riches. Although our conscience would flash and go, that's probably not a good idea. Probably shouldn't do that one. Jesus might yell at me for doing that. Um, so we probably have that at the back of our mind going, money's probably not the right thing to ask for. But the instinct is there, right? Because it seems like this is a free kick, right? Um, and... The more you think about it, the more you can probably justify that to yourselves. Imagine if I was a billionaire. Imagine how much good I could do. Imagine if you were a billionaire. You'd help people in poverty, plant churches, fund missionaries, use your wealth for the good of the kingdom in the world. I could justify that decision to myself, that I want money more than I want wisdom. And we forget some of the things that Jesus told us about being rich. For example... Matthew says this, uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Which is a crazy thing to say. The disciples thought so. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? Jesus, you're setting the bar super high right now. And Jesus looked at them. I love that. Jesus just looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But Jesus is making a point here. We should be careful what we wish for. We should not envy the billionaire. If Jesus asked you, what do you think you would answer him if he gave you that blank check moment? Did you know, this is not just some hypothetical. There's actually a moment in the Bible where this exact situation happens, right? The writer of Proverbs, whose words we're reading now, had this moment. In a dream in 1 Kings, the Lord appeared to Solomon, and, Jesus, and uh, the Lord put this question in front of Solomon. Solomon, ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And this young king showed incredible wisdom. More wisdom than he'd ever shown in his whole life, I think, with his answer. This was the wisest thing I think Solomon ever did. He said this, Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I'm just a youth with no experience in leadership. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge 
this great people of yours. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or for the death of your enemies, which would have been high on the list as well, I'm sure, uh, but you asked for discernment for yourself to administer justice. Therefore, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. He goes on. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. So when presented with this opportunity to ask for anything, Solomon had the good sense, the wisdom, the insight to know that the most important thing he could have is a wise, understanding heart so that he could rule well as a good king. Something incredibly wise about that. His instinct was not for money, but for wisdom. The Lord responded incredibly, doesn't he? He just gives him, he just goes, well, I'm just going to bless the socks off you then because you've asked for what is honorable to me. Proverbs, I think, is calling us to seek wisdom like that. Seek it like treasure, seek it like gold, seek it like silver because it is so precious. If you have to choose between riches and wisdom, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. It's more precious than you know. Verses, verse 5 onwards, we see that um, we're told where wisdom comes from. So secondly, wisdom is given. I'm going to go from the start again just for us to remember where we're up to because it's one sentence. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He shores up, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's like, you got a storehouse of it. And he's just ready to go, ready to distribute to who needs it. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. We actually run into a pretty serious paradox in these verses that I'm not sure you saw, but just think about it. Wisdom is given to you by God, according to this. Verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. Okay? But... You can't receive it without seeking it. Both of those things are true here in this passage. Wisdom, she's calling for us in the streets. But you need to call out for her too, don't you? We're told to search for it like a hidden treasure. And yet ultimately we're told it comes from the hand of God. So, which is it? Is it A or is it B? Is wisdom something we go after or is it something God gives to us? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it has to be both. You see that there, right? It has to be both. Ultimately, it comes from the hand of the Lord, but you're not going to get it without going after it. You have to seek. You have to search. You have to, to knock. You must go after it. And so let's just get practical for a second. Let's change gears and just think, how do we go get it then? So we're told, got to go get it. It's precious. The Lord gives it to us. Where do we go to grow in wisdom on a practical level? I think there's two 
things we see in our passage today which lead us into this, and they are the ultra-obvious ones. Firstly, we seek wisdom, we get wisdom through the Word of God. We're told there in verse 6. And secondly, in prayer, because the Lord gives wisdom. So firstly, we find wisdom in the Word of God. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So it's first and foremost through reading the Bible, soaking in the Word of God, that we are to grow in wisdom. And I don't think anyone who's come to church today is shocked to hear me say, the Bible's really important to grow in wisdom. Like, yes, of course it is, right? But this is a really important thing to say because today we live in a world drowning in opinions, don't we? We live in a world, thanks to social media, where we can completely lose our bearings because of the wall of noise coming our way. So many opinions, endless noise. Um, one fellow, um, Gospel Coalition, which is an American, it's now Australian as well, um, just a good resource on, on the web, uh, Gospel Coalition, one of the senior editors there, wrote a book called The Wisdom Pyramid. Sounds like a pyramid scheme. It might be. I don't think it is. Um, the Wisdom Pyramid, Brett McCracken. And this whole book is trying to address the issue of how is it that Christians grow in wisdom in a world where kind of that, that hyper-connectivity, um, that echo chamber that we live in, how do we grow in wisdom in our modern world where we're just getting, where we live in that endless noise of opinion? Uh, he puts his finger on three particular things that I think are really interesting as to, as to what our main problems are. First thing he points out is that we live in a time where we have too much information. Who would have ever thought that would have been a problem? But apparently it is. Too much information. Secondly, we, live, we receive that information way too quickly to actually process. So we're like, we've got too much going in and none of it's actually going in. Does that make sense? This is too much volume. We're, we're not actually digesting information properly. And finally, that information is entirely self-focused. It's, 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 um, it's bent towards the idol of our age, which is self. It's narcissistic. It's all about you, the worship of self. He wrote this as one of his quotes. He said, he said, the cumulative effect of too much information, so easily and constantly accessible to us, creates a burden on our minds and souls that our minds and souls were not created to bear. So when we expose ourselves to endless information, it's actually crushing for us because we're not made to be able to process that. I don't know if any of you have begun to feel this, but it's a real thing. We've got to be careful what goes into our heads. He goes on, Our world has more information, but less and less wisdom. More data, less clarity. More stimulation, less synthesis. More distraction, less stillness. More pontificating, less pondering. More opinion, less research. More speaking, less listening. More to look at, less to see. More amusements, less joy. There is more, but we are less. I mean, we have a lot going up against us if we're going to grow in wisdom. We have a lot to go up against. This world is discipling us in the exact opposite direction. This world is discipling us towards folly. 
And so he comes up with some basic principles of what he calls the wisdom pyramid, which I think is amusing, um, of how it is we might build our diet towards a healthy diet, a spiritual diet, what goes into our brains uh, in the same kind of way that a healthy diet makes you healthy, right? Healthy spiritual diet. First one, down the bottom, right? To be wise, lots and lots of Bible, our daily bread, right? Everything is built on the Word of God. It must be. It's foundational for us, right? Verse 6. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So there is a reason that neglect of Scripture and foolishness go hand in hand. They are necessary. And so if you want to go after wisdom today, you cannot do it. You cannot take any steps forward without an open Bible. We must devote ourselves to time in the Word. We must devote ourselves to time in the Word. There's no shortcuts here to wisdom. I think this is so important for us because we need to be exposed to objective reality. That's what time in the Word does to us. It exposes us to objective reality, especially where the Word of God clashes with our preferences and our intuitions. If we're not reading the Bible and allowing it to correct us, we're not actually reading the Bible honestly. If you think that God just agrees with you on everything <laughs> and that you, you're never wrong and that God just happens to, oh, he just happens to agree with me on all these things and you never find yourself being corrected by the word, you're not reading it sincerely. The word of God changes us. It corrects us. It shows us our foolishness. Next level so the word of God is the foundation for everything. Next one, being embedded in a local church as well as kind of standing in the deeper, more ancient tradition of the Christian church. So this is important, I think, right? Meaningful relationships with other Christians. It's how we, it's how we grow. It's how we, it's how we grow wisdom. We must have deep, meaningful relationships with other Christians. Being connected to a church family is crucial for us. This is part of God's wisdom for us to grow in wisdom. Uh, Britt McCracken, again, he, he points it out in an interesting way. He says, in, in an age of nauseating narcissism, where everyone clamors for stardom and Instagram likes, the church humbles us and weakly reminds us, this is not about you. <laughs> this is about God. You're welcome here. You are wanted. Your presence in the body is important. You are part of the story. But God is the star, not you. What a freeing and wonderful thing. It's really important to be humbled each week as we come into church and be part of something bigger than us and not be the center of something. The Lord make us humble and the Lord bless us through this church. Next one, Bible, open, church, engaged. The next one's interesting, isn't it? What's he call it? Nature and beauty. Go outside. <laughs> Eat some food that didn't come from a packet. Listen to some good music, probably not on the radio. Go for a walk, right? Listen to the birds. Look at the stars. God has made this world beautiful, and he wants you to notice that. And he wants you to let that soothe your soul. Soothe your soul as you enjoy the world that God has made. Next one, books. Read books. Read old books as well. Read classics. I'm a bad reader, so this one's one where I'm like, uh, I definitely need to grow on this one. Um, I am convinced I would be a lot wiser if I read more old books, which I do not do. Top levels, this is the, uh, the fairy floss of your spiritual diet up here, okay? 
the internet. The internet can be a great thing, right? Because we can connect with people who are the wisest, smartest people around the world. We can learn from them. There's a lot of dumb stuff on there as well. <laughs> so we've got to be careful, right? It's an amazing resource, but let's be really careful. Let's guard ourselves against what we listen to. And finally, social media, internet times 10, right? Opinion and it's poisonous, and we must be careful what we expose ourselves to in that level. This is a particularly live issue for the younger generation because that pyramid is upside down in, with the younger generations. They get all their theology worldview from TikTok. Just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. It's like living on Skittles and being like, why am I sick? All I eat is, all I eat is Skittles. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not good for your soul. It really isn't. And so we must be careful. Big idea, be careful what we digest. Make sure we're prioritizing things that are going to grow us in wisdom. Wisdom is precious. We must prioritize these things that lead us towards wisdom. We must be, um, we must be in the word of God above all else. But the other, the other way we grow is through prayer. This is, this is really obvious in this passage as well. Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives it. Confession time. And I think I'm going to say something that I think every pastor would also say. So just, this isn't just me, I'm pretty sure. Although it might just be me. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. A lot of the time. But the Lord gives wisdom. Right? The Lord gives wisdom. He really does. He answers, he answers my prayers, which I pray all the time. Lord, make me wiser. And I think he's doing that. And I think he has done that in the past. And so I feel like I'm always asking the Lord for wisdom. Really good news. The Lord gives wisdom. He really does. Here's what James 1, 5 tells us. This is an awesome invitation. If any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Do you lack wisdom? For anything in your life, ask God and it will be given. Isn't that just an awesome verse? Jesus, in Matthew 7, I think, gives us some even more confidence to bring this to God. Because he tells us in Matthew 7, he says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For whoever asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And it's obscured in the English, but in the Greek, the, the tense of the verbs here, ask, seek, knock, are continual. Go on asking, go on seeking, go on knocking. Keep going. Keep asking, keep seeking. And for wisdom, I think this is incredibly important. We must always be seeking more wisdom from God. Always. We must embark on that great treasure hunt and go on that quest for hidden treasure. The Lord gives wisdom. And so do you lack it? Ask him. Do you need it? Ask him. Ask, seek, knock. Don't stop. Keep knocking. Because when we stop knocking, bad things happen. For example, Solomon. The man who was wise enough to ask for wisdom and was blessed with wisdom. This young king. His story ends pretty poorly. We actually heard it briefly in Nehemiah 13, not long ago, where Matt... Uh, preached closed Nehemiah because Nehemiah references what happened to Solomon. This is what Nehemiah said in his words. He said, Among the many nations, there were none like him. He was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. 
Solomon made horrendously unwise decisions, and he married hundreds of pagan women who married, who worshipped other gods, and ultimately, he lost his faith. This is, quote-unquote, the wisest man to ever live. These relationships destroyed his life. Solomon got to a place in his life where he stopped seeking wisdom. And it destroyed him. And I think this is such a tragedy because this is the man, like it's all the more tragic because of his wisdom that he had. His foolishness is accentuated because he was the wisest man to ever live. And so we must learn from the tragedy of Solomon and keep seeking wisdom to the very end. It's not okay to just ask for it once. The Lord gives wisdom as we seek. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And so friends, wisdom is precious. Wisdom is given to us. And finally, just to close now, wisdom has already been given us in Christ. Wisdom has already been given us in Christ. True wisdom comes to us in the person of Christ. This is what Colossians 2 tells us. Colossians 2 says, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, when, when Jesus was teaching, he pointed at himself and he said, Guys, something greater than Solomon is here. Solomon spoke from the wisdom given him by God. Jesus is the very wisdom of God in flesh. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Others have pointed the way. Jesus pointed at himself and said, I am the way. Others have spoken God's truths. Jesus points at himself and says, I am truth. Others have pointed the way to life. And Jesus points at himself and says, I am the life. Others have made promises, but in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Others extend forgiveness. Christ suffered and died for our forgiveness to seal it. So if we want to go after wisdom, we must go after Christ, the one who has loved us and died for us so we might have forgiveness of our sin. The way we do that is by responding to him. The way we do that, the way we take a step forwards, is to respond to him now. We care enough to turn from our sin. We care enough to turn from our complacency, and we turn to God with urgency. In prayer, confession, and repentance, and in seeking him. So let's pray now. Let's pray to the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Lord, we acknowledge that you've called us on this great treasure hunt and you've given us the assurance that in you are hidden those treasures. And so, Lord, to seek wisdom is to seek you first. Lord, we want to acknowledge that we lack wisdom in so many places in our lives. We need more wisdom. Jesus, thank you for this promise in James that for those who lack it must ask for it. I pray that you'd keep us asking, keep us seeking, keep us searching. Never let us settle and get complacent with what it is we have. 
Lord, we know that you bless the, the pursuit of you, Lord, the desire for you. So Lord, help us, give us grace for our failings. Lord, we're all fools at the end of the day, Lord, and we all need your grace for the way we have spurned wisdom and spurned you. So would you make us humble enough now to come to you in, in, in faith to ask you once more, Lord, forgive us our sin. Give us the gift of wisdom that we might live lives that honor you and bless the world. So would you continue to be in work, at work in us, we pray. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.